about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and every sin that doeth so easily beset us. And let us run, catch that word, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus. Now this is the phrase that I want you to catch this morning right here. Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Say it with me. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And consider him that endured such contradictions of sinners against himself, lest we be weary and faint in our minds. Ye have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Pray with me. Father, I ask that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. The eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that we would know what's the hope of your calling and what's the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints and what's the exceeding greatness of your power to us who believe. According to the working of your mighty power, which you wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead and set him at your own right hand in heavenly places and ask that you would grant us according to the riches of your glory to be strengthened with might by your spirit in our inner man that Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith, that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what's the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, so that we'd be filled with all the fullness of God. Holy Spirit, I asked you for divine utterance this morning. I ask that you would help me to communicate the heart of the Father to us your people, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. I want to take us to an Old Testament account. You don't have to turn there. But I want to tell you, I want to bring us up to speed because I want you to I want you to see something. I want us to see something. There was something that took place. In the Old Testament, with the children of Israel, when they murmured. Murmuring in the camp shows a heart that's not filled with gratitude and thankfulness. And sometimes we can find ourselves in that same place and we think, woe is me. And when folk, all of the focus is on me and what I'm dealing with, rather than on God, the God who is more than enough and the God who can bring me out. What are we looking at or who are we looking at? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I'm going to get back to this in just a second. But Jesus is the one who got us started on this journey. Jesus is the one who's going to take us through this journey. And Jesus is the one who's going to get us to the finish line. But, excuse me. Jesus looks and he sees the finishing point. 
There's a lot of people that have started out on this journey, on this race. Let's call it a race this morning. And have, you never, you don't see them anymore. Where are they at? Something happened to move them off of their race or to push them off the track. <clears throat> How many ever watch any kind of uh, sporting events and things of that sort, and you see somebody that's practicing poor sportsmanship, and they do something to deliberately trip somebody else up, or cause somebody else to stumble, and cause somebody else to, if they're playing basketball, you'll see them all in their face and give them a foul. If you play a football, you see them hit them where they don't need to hit them, or they hit them before, or grab them by the mask, they do something that's there, and they call that unsportsmanlike manner. Or somebody that's running on the track, and they deliberately get their foot over and trip them, and you see that person roll on the track. And you say, that sorry, stinky thing. Did you see what he just did? Or she just did? There is one who wants to trip us up on our race. But Jesus is the one that we're looking at. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He sees the finish line and he sees what he wants us to be doing when we come across that finish line. And he's doing everything within his power to get us successfully across that finish line. Jesus wants us to succeed. Jesus wants us to make it. Mm -hmm. Now, here's a picture. If you want to see what the Father is like, look at Jesus. If you want to see what the Father God is like, look at Jesus. His life while he was here on the earth exemplified the Father. Through compassion, through mercy, through things that he said, he said, I only do the, th the things that I see my Father do and I only say the things that I hear my Father say. Mm -hmm. Now, let's shift back just a second. I'm going to go back to this here murmuring and complaining that was going on in the camp. And what happened, what did it do when they started murmuring and complaining? It opened up something. It's almost like that there was a... If you ever watched Star Trek... They had a force field. You, you've heard of a force field before. And in the, with the force field, something couldn't penetrate it. They couldn't get through it. And for the children of Israel out there in the desert, God had like a force field over them. But something happened when they started murmuring and complaining. It took and raised the force field up. And when the force field raised up, snakes started coming into the camp. How many like snakes? I don't like snakes. 
I don't like no kind of snake. I won't kill them all, but as I don't like any of them. And these snakes started coming into camp. And they started biting the people, and the people started dying by the droves. And Moses sees what's taking place, and he cries out to God. And he said, what can I do to stop this so that all of these people don't die and lose their life? And he tells him to do something. He says, Take a serpent, make it out of bronze. The serpent was the shape and the form of a snake. He said, put it on a pole. Take, him, take that pole with that serpent on it and hold it up before the people. And let them look on this serpent on the pole. And you say, well, that makes absolutely no sense. God might ask you to do something that in your mind makes absolutely no sense. In fact, there's things in the Word that He might tell you to do that in your mind you say, that makes absolutely no sense. You want me to tell you something? It's not supposed to make sense. It's supposed to make faith. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, or hearing what God said. Amen. So, when, when I've got something that's making faith, I've got something that can change my direction. I've got something that can intercede and intercept. And these people were dying by the droves because of disobedience or murmuring against God. So they had to do something to get themselves back in faith with God. And he says, tell them to look at this serpent on the pole and keep their eyes on it. Now, a lot of times when we think of looking, we just say, well, hey, I just saw what you wrote on that paper. The truth of the matter is, I saw her writing on the paper, but I really have no clue what she was writing on the paper. The only way that I can tell what she's got on the paper if I've got a steadfast gaze looking at it. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. How is my gaze on Jesus? Am I looking at him with a steadfast gaze? Or am I just looking and then looking Everywhere else, my attention deficit has kicked in. I looked at him, and somebody said, well, I'm looking at him. No, if I'm not looking at him, I'm not looking at him. Does that make sense? If I'm not looking at him, I'm not looking at him. Because where we're looking at is where we're going to end up. And here he says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. If it took the look at Jesus to get us started on a journey, and it's going to take the looking at Jesus to get us at the end of the journey, what's going to happen in the middle of the journey? We're going to have to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus because he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Now I'm going to flip back just a little bit because... See, in the book of Hebrews, 
12, we read it in chapter and verses. But when it was written, we have verse 11, I mean chapter 11, and we know it's there. And if you've done any study at all about the Word of God, you know that Hebrews 11 is the Hall of Fame of Faith. It talks about great, great faith characters. And we think if I could just have faith like that. And the truth of the matter is you've got faith like that. You've got a measure of the God kind of faith. A lot of times we just don't choose to use it. Because faith is believing in God and believing what he said. So, let, let, let's, let's see if we can level the playing field just a minute. Do you believe in God? Mm-hmm. Do you believe what he says? Mm-hmm. If I believe God and believe what he says, I just exercise faith. Now, the next step is what I'm going to do with my believing God and listening to what he says or believing what he says because every one of these that were in this here hall of fame of faith not only did they believe in God and not only did they listen to the voice of God but they walked in obedience to walk it out the question is for us will we walk out what he said for us to do if I walk out This is my journey because Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. There's been a lot of people that's looked at Jesus and they get looking at everything else. And there's a lot of distractions that are in this world. Some of them are closer than we think. Mm -hmm. But he gives us some good advice here in this. Now, I'm going to flip back. I'm maybe turning the page back in time just a little bit. Now here, Moses is there. He's made the serpent on the pole. He's put it up before the people. The snakes are still moving around. Now, I want you to get this picture. I saw this one Wednesday night. Here you are standing and you're looking at the serpent on the pole. And you feel something just crawl across my foot. It just crawled across my foot. He said, give it a steadfast gaze. Uh Uh-oh. Do I look down and see just what just crawled across my foot? Or do I keep my gaze fixed on the serpent on the pole? That serpent on the pole just don't make no sense. Why would he take and make a snake? And why would he put it on a pole? You wouldn't know that until you got to the New Testament. He who knew no sin was made to be sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. This serpent on the pole, and the serpent was made out of bronze. In the Bible, bronze stands for, represents judgment. 
Jesus took the judgment of the children of Israel. Or was what it was represented. And he took the judgment of humanity. The pole represented the cross. He who knew no sin was made sin. He was made, an, made a curse for us. So that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. It's important to get started. And it's important. It's just as important to finish as it is to get started. But he gives us some insight in here of some things to do to help us get across that finish line and to finish well. Who wants to finish well? Not only I thank God for the start. And I thank God that he's with me during my journey. But I want to finish well. Because there's some words that I want to hear then. There's some words that I want to hear my father say. And I want to hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to hear those words. If I keep my eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith, it's impossible for me not to hear those words. It's impossible for you not to hear those words if Jesus is the one we're keeping our eyes on. Looking unto Jesus. Let those words settle in our hearts. Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Because you'll hear people over here in the sidelines and the enemy will put them there. Hey, hey, look over here, look over here, look over here. And he said, Jesus said, here, focus, focus, me, me, keep your eyes on me, keep your eyes on me. And you might be faced with one of the hardest places you ever walked through in your life. But if you keep your eyes on Jesus, he'll walk you right through it. And you'll come out on the other side and you'll say, how in the world did I do that? I know I'm not strong enough to do that myself. I know I'm not smart enough to do that myself. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen. Let's see some of the dynamics here that are working in this. Wherefore, Seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience. This is an attitude or a stance that has to be inside of a believer. One thing is, he starts out and he says, You've got more of a support system than you think that you have. And you say, well, no, I'm, I'm standing all by myself. Now, I'm going to go back to a 15-year-old when I was in school. And it seemed like I was the only one around in my, in my class and all that was saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. I was by myself 
isolated. I went to church, but I didn't have other people that believed like I believe. There's a lot, and there's a lot of things that I didn't even know what I believed. But I sure did believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues. But I wasn't around other people that believed in that. I had never been in this church. I didn't know, know nothing about that. I was going to the Methodist church, to the Baptist church, to, to Philippi, to the different churches around. But there was, something, there was something that I was missing out on. And I thought I was just the only one that believed and experienced that. But I kept looking at Jesus. And a lot of times you can think in your walk that you're right by yourself. But I want to promise you this. You are not by yourself. This is one of the things that I saw in this particular text. Because Hebrews 11 is tied to Hebrews 12. It's not two different thoughts. It's one thought tied together. And he says, he's just talked about the whole Hall of Fame of Faith. And he says, you're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. So when you feel like you're by yourself and you're all alone and you can't make it and the pressures are pushing against you, Jesus says, you're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. One translation says it like this. The ones that are in the heavenly grandstands, they're watching the race. They're watching you run and your walk with God and what he's called you to do is your race. My race isn't your race and your race isn't my race. If you ever watch them on the tracks, they've got lanes and the, the uh, track is oval shaped and the outside of the track, just from the dynamics of the way that it's made, is longer and each one as you're getting further in became, becomes shorter just because the circle is getting smaller. But what he does, if you watch it, pay attention to it, they stagger the runners. And they have a different place that they each start at. Mm -hmm. So that it makes it a level playing field or an even playing field. And he says here, I want you to I want you to run and I want you to run this race. But every lane looks a little bit different than the other, even though they're similar. And a lot of times we get bent out of shape because somebody else is not running like me or I'm not running like somebody else. Question is, am I running like what I'm supposed to run? Mm, See, I think a lot of times we think that we're going to be rewarded by how good we did here in this life. I used to think that. But I don't think that anymore. What I believe now is that it's going to be on what we were supposed to do. How, how good did we do at what we were supposed to do in running my race? See, if God called me to be a youth pastor, 
and I'm leading singing, I'm stepping out of my lane. There's a lot of times people have the thing, I, will, I just want to do what that other person is doing. Well, praise God for what that other person is doing. But is that what God called you to do? That's right. See, if guess what God's called you to do, there's a grace mm -hmm. on your life to accomplish it. And there's been a lot of good men and women of God that wanted to do something different than what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And they had no grace. To stand in that office in that place. Mm -hmm. And became a total flop. Because they were running outside of their lane. They were running outside of their grace. I don't want to dwell there very long. Because we don't have a whole lot of time to bring that out. But there's a heavenly grandstand with people that are cheering us on and they say, Amen. You can make it. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I got you, Justin. Jesse Duplantis, when he was taken up to heaven, he said he saw this man and he didn't know, know but he knew who he was. And it was David. And he said something to him, and and here was one of the things that stood out to me with what he said. He said, after he talked with David for, for just a few moments, David said, I'll pray for you. Now, isn't that a strange concept that somebody in heaven is praying for us? We think that it's all got to be somebody here on the earth. Brothers and sisters, when you go to heaven, you're not going to be laying on a pillow and people dropping grapes in your mouth and you're going to say, praise God. Praise God. Everything is okay. No. There's work that's being done. There's things that's being accomplished in heaven. And I believe one of them is there's people that are in heaven that are praying for us. That are cheering us on. It makes a tie with this here scripture. That we're encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Oh, I feel like I'm so all alone. I can't make it. I can't make it. Things is just too tough. No. And they're saying, I'm praying for you. You can make it. Amen. You're going to make it. You just keep your eyes on Jesus. He's the author and the finisher yes. of Amen. your faith. Amen. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Now I want to make another tie here with another Old Testament account. We've got two players in this. They are Lot and Abraham. In the life of Lot and Abraham, they were both blessed. And their, their herds grew so big that the land, one place, wasn't big enough to sustain them together. And the, the, the herdsmen started murmuring and fighting with each other. And Abraham says to Lot, he says, we've got to do something about this to settle this. Because they're striving between our brother. And he says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to separate. I'm going to give you first choice. You, make a, you pick what land that you want. If you want this land, I'll take the other. If you want the other land, I'll take this. And Lot looks at the plains of Sodom. Because they were lush and beautiful and green. 
And he says, ah, I'm going to take the better deal. I'm going to pick the plains of Sodom. Abraham says, okay, I'm going to take the other land. The next thing that you hear about Lot is he's not on the plains of Sodom. He's in Sodom. Because where you're looking is where you're going to end up. Sandy told me something today, other day, just this morning, I think it was, and she said I was walking, and I was checking my balance out. And she said I was walking the white line to see how good I would do it. And she says, I didn't do that good at it. I said, what were you doing? I said, um, she said, I, I said, were you looking at the white line or were you looking down? She said, I was looking down. I said, well, that's where your problem is. You're, you need to be looking where you're going because your balance will be affected by it. And sure, you want to walk the white line, but it's, like the, it's sort of like this here. You'll see somebody trying to take a skill saw, and they will take and start cutting, and they're so concentrated on looking right here at the blade and staying on the line they, they should be looking at that, but they also need to be looking where they're going so that they can, it's easy to start doing this. And you can look at somebody that's cut, and you'll see the cut start doing this here because they're, I, I wiggle a little bit this way. I made this adjustment this way. Now, as you look, you're taking and making all of those calculations in it. Jesus is the author and the finisher. Of our faith. <laughs> he doesn't want us going from one side to the other and saying, oh, that's a straight line. You know what? A straight line ain't a straight line unless it's a straight line. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. So, we're not alone. We've got people that are praying for us, cheering us on, encouraging us along our way. On the other side and on this side. Amen. Thank you, Did you know that God's got people? They might be in Africa praying for you today. Yes. He's, got, he's got you covered. Who are we looking at? Who are we looking at? Now he gives us another little bit of dynamics in this. Let us lay aside every weight. Every weight. When I was in high school, they had a, a track and field um, park. How do I say this? They had the, the running. They had the shot put. They had the uh, person that would jump over the pole. But a lot of the things for training, they would put these here weights on the person so that they could build the legs up, so they could build the muscles up. 
And there were, there were some people that we had that were just really good runners. Big nose holes where they could take in big amounts of air. Good build. If you ever look at somebody that's a really good runner, there's a certain thing about their physique. They're not heavy. A lot of them are skinny as a rail. But they can run like all get out. And he says here to lay aside every weight. Because we're on a race. And if you're going to win your race and you're going to get across the finish line, there's things that you're going to have to shed along the way. Now, let's go back in history just a moment. The, the pioneers, anybody know what the pioneers were? The people that left the east coast, heading toward the west coast. One of their things that they said was, go west, young man, go west, young man. Your future is west. So they loaded up their belongings. When we went to Oklahoma, somebody asked me because we had a bus number 17. We bought bus number 17. Took all of the seats out of it, built a cage across the front, fixed the place for the kids to stay, delay, put up two gas tanks on it, trailer hitch underneath it, and a two-speed rear, rear end underneath it, Johnny. And we headed out. And Sammy said, you got everything? I said, what we don't have, we don't own. We were headed to Oklahoma. We had just built a new house, and he said, what are you going to do if your house don't sell? I said, I'm going to Oklahoma. House or no house. I'm going to Oklahoma. How committed to you are you to following after the plan of God for your life? What these settlers would do, they would load everything that they could get in that wagon. And they headed out. And when we left out, I felt like the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> and we were headed that way. And as we were going, we had destinations that we had to stop because we had a freezer full of food. So we had to be able to plug in along the way. So we knew before we left some of the places, the first place that we stopped was in Wake Forest. The second place that we stopped was in Nashville, Tennessee. The third place that we stopped was in Oklahoma. We were at our destination. God's got a plan for your life. And he can get you there. But if he can't get you there if we're looking at everything else. But what I was getting at with these here settlers, as they got closer to their destination, they were things that they had to throw out. And they said all along the trail was laced with things that people thought was so important when they started the journey, but as they got going, it wasn't nothing but a weight. 
something else. And they thought it was a necessity, something that I can't live without. This was grandmama's dresser. But the further they got along, it's, am I going to make it or am I going to hang on to grandmama's dresser? And it said, they would say, I've got to cut this thing loose and let it go. Now, a lot of times people want to hold on to their past, different things. And Jesus says, lay aside every weight and the things that so easily beset us. Which do we want? Do I want to get to the finish line? And there'll be things that the Lord will speak to you and deal with you about in your own life as you walk with Him. And there'll be things that He'll tell you, you need to cut this off. You need to let this go. You don't need to hold on to this. And we say, I don't want to let it go. I can't let it go. And you say, well, I want to make it across that finish line. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Which do I want? Do I, when I've got my gaze on Jesus and these other things are pulling at me, am I looking that way or am I looking at Jesus? If I keep my eyes on Jesus, I don't have to worry about making it across that finish line. And I want to hear those words. Linda, words never change. Well done. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. A good and faithful servant is doing what God asks them to do. A good and faithful servant is doing what God asks them to do. We shouldn't want to be like each other. We should want to be like Jesus and what he's asked us to do. Now he says, not only that, but lay aside the sin that does so easily beset us. And we say, well, what is, what is, that, what is that sin? We've talked about a weight, but what, what about this sin? It could be like this, but if you know to do something and then don't do it, yes. it's sin too. So we've let something else entangle us because through life I've seen it and noticed this with myself and with other people. If there's something that the Lord is telling you that you need to, to cut off, and you don't. And you allow it to stay. That thing forms tentacles. And those tentacles have a way of taking and wrapping around us. And then we want to be free. But we can't get away. It's sort of like the, the two drunks. And they were in the house. And they made a bet with each other. And the bet was, 
that they would take one of whoever was brave enough would take a nail across in the graveyard. And they were both scared. So one of them said, I'll do it. So he takes and they have two pieces of wood, nail and a hammer, and he go out there to the grave, he goes out to the graveyard. It's thunder and lightning raining. And he says when he gets out there, he starts nailing it, hammering in the ground, and then he's going to nail the cross piece to the upright piece. And he hears something making a noise. Oh my God, this place is haunted. So he starts, he hears that sound, and he gets scared. And he starts to run, but when he starts to run, something's holding him and he can't get away from it. So he's got his raincoat on and he leaves that raincoat and when he gets back in the house, he's all bloody all over and he said, what in this, his buddy says, what in the world happened to you? He said, man, I was out there and I was nailing nailing that board to it, and I, I heard something making this noise, and he, I got so scared, he said, I ran, but something was holding me. And he said, so I got my coat off, and I ran with all of my might, and when I, and when I come to the house, here I am, bloody all over. Daylight, they got up, walked out to check and see what had happened. Well, sure enough, he had nailed the upright piece, in the ground. Sure enough, he had nailed the cross piece, but the wind was blowing, and he didn't notice it, but his coattail had blew around, so he drove a nail through his coattail to the cross that he was driving or erecting there in the cemetery. So his coat, he nailed his own coat to the cross. He said the noise, they got looking over behind one of the tombstones and there was an old mangy dog. And he was over there scratching. And that was the sound that they heard that scared him to start with. So he's got his coat off, but he runs. But when he runs, he can't see. And he runs right through a briar patch. And those things cut him. And when it, you know the way that it is, a little bit of blood with a briar and when it's wet, it looks like you've been to a hog killer. And when he got in the house, he was terrified because of what he had heard, what was holding him, what he had seen. Brothers and sisters, that's why it's important for us to have our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So that he can take us where we need to go, the way we need to go, so he can get us to the finish line and we'll be intact when we get there. Sometimes I'll come in from work and uh, I look at the little different places and Sandy sees some blood on me. She said, what in the world, what did you do? I said, I don't know what I done. I don't know what I done. She'd, she'd say, 
I don't have but one husband, and I want you to take care of him. <laughs> and I was like, I thought I was. Sometimes you can get a scratch and not even know how you get a scratch. But God wants us to run with patience. We're going to have to get on to this one tonight. But taking away the weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. Because there's a lot of things that God will speak to our hearts about. And he gives us direction of what we need to do. And we say, I don't want to do that. And when we do, we tie his hands for being able to help us. Stand with me. <clears throat> Jesus, I've got my eyes on you. Not only are you the author and the finisher, but you are my prize. You're my helper through the journey. And I thank you, I thank you that you have given me the Holy Spirit. That he knows every move, every turn, every leg of the journey. And I purpose in my heart to keep my eyes on you, Jesus. Because you've got your eyes fixed on that finish line. And I'm running. My heart is to run with all of my might toward you. Go with us now. I plead the blood of Jesus over each and every one here. Let us go in the strength and the power of Almighty God with our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. In Jesus' name, amen.